Welcome to the Unemployable Podcast, where we talk about life, success, happiness, and really the message of being unemployable is stepping away from the ability to blame your employer or just some figure for your success, your happiness, your opportunities, and really taking ownership of that. Today, as typical odd number episodes so far, Patrick Cook is with me to help me get my words out. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, you bet. You talk pretty one day. You ever read that David Sedaris book, Me Talk Pretty One Day? No. It's terrific. It's great. Um, I'm a little intimidated to read David Sedaris, actually. Why? It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like talking to Skaggs about writing. It just feels like uh, this is just a level that I, my brain doesn't work when it comes to like mm-hmm. literature or writing. Or uh, he, he is a master craftsman. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But okay. here's why you shouldn't be intimidated. Like, you don't have to be at his level of craft to enjoy his level of craft. He is so sure. accessible. Oh, I love that. He's so accessible. Yeah. And, like, the comedy in his books is so tight and so okay. and so mundane. Like, he mm. is he just like rolls around in like the awkwardness of life situations that I would flee from like a thousand percent, a hundred percent. I know that statement. Does Skaggs like him? I don't know. I've never talked to Skaggs about Skaggs likes awkwardness. It's true. I only have a couple of friends that thrive (laughs) in awkward situations and he is one of those. Yeah. I, I see the appeal. I think he's just like that present or he's like, this moment is happening. He's like, what is this? Well, he's, he understands story so well and he's a good observer. Yeah. And so when he's watching the chaos of normal human life play out in front of him, he takes great delight in it. Like I'm too yeah. in my own, uh, in my own like fear of perception or whatever it is that I'm stuck yeah. in. I can't step away far enough. And, I know a few of those people that can just like step away and enjoy the weirdness as it plays out. Yeah. I like that. I like that about Josh, even though I don't relate with it that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I wanted to talk about was after action reports. So something that we've been doing, I assume you've been doing it. Yeah, I have. So I've mostly done it on weeknights. I've done it a couple weekend nights, but I haven't, connected with it as much on weekends i haven't done weekends yet i'm more like analyzing it compared to my calendar and i don't put much on weekends i want to do it so well say i i want to do it for weekends as well just because i don't want to be measuring success based on work outputs like i want i want to be measuring rest and you know what i whatever activity that i'm engaging with on weekends in the sure. same way, and this not just yeah. be a, a work productivity task, because a lot yeah. more emotional stuff is coming out in those weekday ones. So, it yeah. it so far it seemed it didn't seem like anything was happening on weekends, but I I don't think mm-hmm. that's true. I'm going to try to start weekends. Yeah, that's a good point. So the the questions at the end of the day that we're asking are what happened, what was supposed to happen. So kind of like a comparison of like what happened versus like what, what you, what's on, what's on your calendar, Mm -hmm. what your expectations were. Then the next question is what went well and how do you maintain that level? And then what didn't go well and how do you like 
adjust or course correct. I've been changing that to kind of course correct. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just like be like, how do I fix it? Because when you're doing it every day, it's it's micro adjustments that make a difference. Totally. Yeah. Somebody asked me last night on Instagram, I kind of posted something about it. Then I do most nights when I kind of post something about my after action report. And somebody asked like, what's the framework for this? And which just shows me like people don't watch people don't watch your stuff every day, yeah. obviously, because I've talked about this. But I think just like sharing that framework of, hey, try this for a little while, see what see what you notice about your your life or your day or your thoughts or whatever, yeah, is so intense. And and doing it even just for like ten days straight, I just started to see patterns mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, even and, and we and we talked about some of those patterns and even some of the personality things that we notice about ourselves. Like I'm just always optimistic. Mm-hmm. I am. Like I what went well, like I could fill the page. Mm. When I get to what didn't go well, I'm like, I think everything was good. Wow. Yeah, we're opposite. Yeah, so I like, I, I, I like by default narrate it to like, no, even if it was hard or bad, it, I, it turned into something good or mm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a, I mean, it's re-narration, but it seems like a healthier re-narration than what I'm doing. I told you this, I think, maybe over the phone or in the last episode, but I found myself immediately qualifying success with what didn't work out. Like even before I got to that part in the process. So it was like, what went well? How can you keep this going? I was like, this went well, but these parts of it were kind of a failure. And I just had to like start cutting that out and copy pasting it lower and like separate those and just let wins, let wins actually be wins, which is an interesting reflection. I'm still kind of digging into that, but. I think that structure has been simple enough and it's been simple enough for me to start building a habit with it yeah. pretty easily. I just do it right before I go to sleep. Um, and Yeah, I do mine pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. So that's helpful. And then it just clarifies – it's clarified things enough that it's changed the way that I've planned – the next day and that's sure that seems like small but it's actually been pretty significant in yeah. the way that i'm living the ensuing days i think there's probably a way to do it kind of weekly as well maybe that's what i'll do on weekends to be like yeah did i did i move the ball down the field in the way i wanted to this past week and kind of an out like analyze that yeah i think that would be that makes sense to me. I think that would be helpful because then you can start pulling out larger themes. You can look at yeah. the the bigger picture of growth. Maybe it would make sense to do it monthly, like a bigger bigger zoom out monthly or quarterly or something, however it works for your goals. Yeah, I mean, especially if you had, you know, 25, 30 of those daily ones to look at. Mm-hmm. Something that's inter- that stood out to me about it is that we just don't have that kind of data. Yeah. Unless you do some kind of daily action like that. Totally. Oh, man. I wonder. And just by creating that data, you can like start to look at it and actually understand like where you're like giving up slack. Yeah. Right? Or, and then where you're gaining ground. Or if you're stuck in cycles. That's kind of where yeah, my yeah, mind yeah. goes immediately. If I reflect on this month by month and I'm dealing with the exact same stuff week, yeah. week by week, you know, that's yeah. been something structurally needs to change so 
Yeah, let's try. Yeah, and then you like create a put in a system mm-hmm. or you know find a person to like help you be accountable. It's like, hey, I want to get out of this cycle yeah. by the end of the next month. Mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to reflect on the next month and have the same cycle. Yeah, that's great. I do that in in a couple of places, mostly with running right now because I have this goal yeah. of a race that I'm going to do in August and Ethan just pops in every now and then it reminds me how many weeks it is and like uh yeah and he's not like he didn't build me a system for training or anything but he just pops in every now and then it's like hey if you don't have a plan yet you should probably make one like yeah. you gotta be ramping these things up because there's only 14 weeks left or whatever right yeah I like that. Did you ever listen to that podcast from Brian Shantosh about the about rowing across the Atlantic? Yeah, I, I didn't listen to all of it. I so good. I was so confused. Well, I wasn't confused. I was curious at the opening, just because I haven't listened to a solo post for a while. And, yeah, his solo podcast is kind of unique, and I definitely haven't listened to someone that is like sounds sort of like he's talking to himself in the way in like how oh, I know. how easy so going he is to approach i mean he's like chewing and you can tell uh-huh. he's just like spitting into a mason jar like every <laughs> 10 minutes or something yeah but he's just like processing and just keeps going and it's long form too like I, it probably took 10 minutes of the intro for him to get to un- <laughs> any kind of like he doesn't narrative. like fill in a lot of gaps either because he's like if you didn't know, like, go look it up. No, totally. He was just like, yeah. if this is news to you, you're new and you need to go back. He didn't, like, yeah. catch you up, which is fine. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to finish that and hear how, kind of how his internal conversations go throughout that. Yeah. Hmm. A couple things before we get into the meat of it. I, the meat of this podcast will really be about my real estate business, kind of how it functions right now. I want to share a lot of that, kind of what lead flow is like, kind of what I thought I was building, what it ended up being, and then kind of how much money it makes too, and then kind of what what's going to grow into next. I want to share kind of specifics about that too. Just let people see what's possible. Yeah, that sounds great. But at first, I was, re- I was in my comments on my videos yesterday, which I do very rarely – Maybe like every other week, mm-hmm. I go in and reply to like the last week of comments. Okay. And I publish two videos a week, so there's quite a bit of comments. Give give me a ballpark. There's probably twenty comments a week easily. Hmm. Yeah. Are they? And some of those are on old videos. Yeah. But typically, mostly on the new videos. Are they questions and, or affirmations? Or- yeah, depends on the video. Okay. So I made a video about an area that I hadn't talked about yet called Lando Lakes. Mm. Cool, like kind of suburb area, but kind of some older houses in that area too. Yeah. Cool area. And I hadn't made any videos specifically about that area, and I, I wanted to talk about this new community out there. So I kind of dialed back, made kind of like an overview video of the area, and then I made a pros and cons video of the area. Mm-hmm. Then I made a video about this new community. And somebody commented, like, I really don't appreciate this. And their comment hardly even made sense. They're just a local, like, from there, and they just don't want anyone to say anything that's kind of negative. Okay. So it's, it was kind of funny. Um, there's Those ones like that, like, are fine. They don't really bother me. Some of them that do bother me are, like, why aren't you doing this? Like, nobody wants to see someone 
talk to a microphone in a room. Get out there, show the city, be fast, be funny. You'll see the results. <laughs> I commented back. I'm like, I'm actually seeing a lot of results yeah. from how I'm doing it. Like, it just depends what your goals are. But that's kind of funny. That's so funny. Then there's like some long, like super encouraging ones. They're like, real. one guy commented, he's like, I have so many thoughts I want to share. I'll be back. And then he came back and edited his comment. And it was, he made like, he probably wrote two paragraphs. That's funny that he left a placeholder in the comments. I know. I was like, should I do that? Because I don't have time to write a big comment back right now. But I kind of hit back on each of his points and kind of hit, like, clapped back on some of them, but also, like, just agreed with him on some of them. And when people are really thoughtful like that, they're adding value. They're adding more value to people if they're willing to go into the comments. Like, I love that. Oh, yeah. As a creator, you're saying that's willing to go into the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And like some, like if I do a market video, this one girl, Megan, she'll answer everybody's questions. Hmm. I don't even know who she is. Uh, is she answering the last, them helpfully? Kind of. Yeah. She, I mean, it's her own opinion. She's not like adding my opinion in there. So it's, I don't really care. But, but she's like taking and on she's the kind role. of like a market crash kind of person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like doom and gloom kind of thing. But yeah. she's still like there, like responding to every comment. And that just helps my video. It just shows that people are engaged. Yeah. That's so intriguing. That takes so much time and effort with yeah. no... That's curious to me, the motivations of... I know. Hmm. So questions. I'm always a little discouraged by comments because the negative ones just kind of stick in my head. Even sure. if they're just like, crit- like critical. But then I had a call last night with a, a new client. And this client first called a week ago. I was the Saturday, my family was sick. I'm like, hey, I can't talk. Mm-hmm. But my agent, Ben, can call you in a couple hours. Okay, great. So Ben called this guy a couple hours later, and then this guy texted me back and said, hey, we talked to Ben. He was super awesome. Thanks so much. Like, when we move, like, you're our guy. Like, okay, <laughs> great. And he texted yesterday and said, do you have 10 minutes to talk? So I said, yeah, I do in 20 minutes. Then I called him in, like, 40 minutes. And... He was like so excited to talk, super easy. Yeah. He's like, my wife has watched like all of your videos. And she said like, no matter what, when we move, we're working with Sam. It's amazing. And I could, I mean, I could tell why, because I'm critical of cookie cutter stuff. I'm like the only person that like puts up Truman Show clips when I talk about master plan communities. Everybody else is like, master plan communities are the best. (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 they're not. They're weird. Um, So like they just connected with the way I think about something. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, you're our guy no matter what. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see like people that may, people that leave comments, especially critical comments, are not the same people that reach out. You're 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 playing all these games. You're playing the games for like views and subscribers mm-hmm. and likes and comments. And then yeah. you're also playing this game of like call me. But you need to like fill up the first, you need to like fill up the views to get the clients. Mm-hmm. So like it's just you have to play both those games at once with this business. It's kind of interesting. We'll get into some of that. Yeah. Love it. Gosh, um, I have to, I have so many gripes and random thoughts I actually want to talk about, and then I have to talk about business stuff. Business. Um, I had this idea. I was actually talking to my coach about this last night, about kind of the the skill of learning versus the skill of applying. Okay. 
and some people have more of a crass way of talking about this. Um, they call it like mental masturbation. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I get what they're saying. It's like the, for a long time, like your, your skill is like just learning information. Mm-hmm. And I've been in that place where I'm just like consuming a lot of content, reading a lot of books, but then rarely ever like taking a season to just apply stuff, to mm-hmm. take like 10 concepts from a book that you're really connected with and spend six months, like just trying to apply those concepts yeah. and seeing how they stick. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if the, the normal approach to education or learning is this hope that if you collect enough information, something will become clearer or easier or come to you more naturally in this yeah. like murky, hopeful future. When, yeah. when probably the practical road to success, and I'm speaking to myself here, is just like, yeah. is as soon as you have something that you can hang on to, information, like trying to apply it wherever you're yeah. at immediately and right. test it and look at it from multiple sides and, and try to build a habit of it. And then if it's not working for you or working for yeah. your goal, let it go quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I do that. I think that's a framework that I'm trying to shed. It's just like if I fill up this time with what seems like beneficial education or busyness, then mm-hmm. down the road I'm going to achieve clarity or success. Or But it's always this distant thing that doesn't have a very clear roadmap to it. Yeah. I think it takes... I just think it's a challenge. Yeah, and I think it takes courage to start applying before you feel the confidence of expertise. Yeah, I think it, yeah. I was reading... Um, but the act of applying is the only way you gain expertise. Yeah, it's just scary. It's scary to take that first step, even yeah. if it's really small. And you can make it so, so small and incremental. Right. Um, I was... I was thinking about that this morning, reading this poem by David White that's not really about this, but he had a line in there where he was describing somebody like going on this journey and he described them, he, he said, someone half a shade as brave mm. uh, or, or someone half a shade braver. That's, that's how he was describing them in, in comparison to this like main character. And I was just thinking about how incremental courage is gained through consistency born of discipline. Yeah. yeah. Like I, for, for me at least that's the journey that I'm on is like, yeah. Tiny little bits of courage that I'm just agreeing with and then applying that in a consistent way to build a discipline that develops a habit. Yeah. And you have to capitalize on when the courage is there because there's going to be seasons where it's not there. Right. And you need the discipline. Right. You need the action still. Totally. And But for those days when like the muse is not speaking to you creatively, yeah. that's when all that structure, all that work, all that discipline pays off. Like you, that muscle is right. so well developed that you can, you can have a bad day. And like when you show up to the gym and your heart's not in it and you can't see the achievement at the end of it, like – your base is built well enough that you're not experiencing 
a great deal of yeah. suffering. Your your body knows what to do and it goes through those motions. Yeah. Yeah. When I got up this morning, my whoop sent me a notification that you slept more. Good job. I slept seven hours. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know I hadn't been sleeping very much. Yeah. Yeah. I've been staying up late working. Working on what? Editing podcasts, mm. planning this one. Yeah. Just kind of filling in the gaps. Mm. That kind of stuff. Okay. Let's get into some of the practicals of my business yeah. that we didn't cover last time. After we shot that episode, I was like, hey, I didn't say really how the business works. I more talked about like what I think about it, um, kind of how I started it, mm -hmm. kind of that initial thought process, which I think is really important. But I want to get into like how it actually functions now. Yeah, I think those parts are some of the most exciting. What? Which parts? Uh, my first question for anybody's job yeah. is like, how much do you make and how do you make it? Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I think the, yeah. And, and we, we also kind of have this obsession of like, what do you do and how much do you make? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of a cultural obsession too, right? Sure. They're like waypoints. They're probably broken yeah. waypoints to value or, or I don't know if we're like trying to figure out where our status or standing is or, I don't know. It's yeah. it's kind of interesting. It it can give you some some indicators to curiosity and intelligence, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So the business is it's funny. It's like a content business at this point. It's funny to me, but real estate sales is how the income is generated. Right. And there's this this thing in real estate where you essentially you need leads. You need some kind of lead source, just like in any kind of sales. Like I go to Honda and buy a minivan. I'm the lead walking in the door. Mm -hmm. They get they get me in there because they have the sign out, because they have this brand reputation, all those kind of things. So they have ways of bringing leads in. They're also running ads and all, all kinds of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So most realtors get leads of all kinds of ways, whether that's very simple like – door knocking, hosting open houses, buying internet leads from Zillow or realtor.com, like all those kind of sources are sources that you can build a business off off of even just like direct mail, like sending letters to neighborhoods saying like, I have a buyer for your house. That, that's kind of a common one. Yeah. Even if you don't actually have a buyer, it's super kind of annoying to me. Yeah. So when I got into the business, as we talked about in the previous episode, in the previous episode about this, like I was just like, I'll, I'll do what I need to. Mm -hmm. Eventually I found YouTube as a potential source and felt like, Oh, this, this like really makes sense to me. So now we still make those videos. There's 199 videos on the channel. Wow. And I just published one last night. So I know I'm at that number and they, they're videos about the area. So like cost of living pros and cons, kind of high level and then they go deeper and deeper into like cities that I never talk about neighborhoods by name, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. A lot of people want to talk about neighborhoods and that's kind of like this realtor thing of like, be the expert on this like one area. Hmm. I always just go bigger and wider. Yeah. Like I, I, the, one of the biggest houses, one of the biggest deals I've done was like an hour and a half away. Like I didn't care. Sure. 
That's fine. But you're kind of talking about things at a community level of information, which seems like, like how do you get, how do you give people nuanced information about a, a neighborhood? You could talk about proximity to schools and sort of like the aesthetic of the neighborhood, but beyond that, yeah, what's helpful about that level? Yeah, one of the critical comments was, you say Tampa, the way you say the way you use Tampa is misleading. There's the there's Tampa and then there's Pinellas County, which are two kind of different areas. And he's like, when you combine them, you need to say Tampa Bay, which lo- most locals are very critical of that because we don't live in the water, but. Mm-hmm. Um, what he was saying is like, you have to like refer to this whole area when you say that. And I do. And that's like what, when people are coming from the outside, that's what they're looking for. So that's, that's where, that's where my mind is. Like if somebody's moving across the country, what are they searching? What are they like? Honestly, they're, they're very often searching on their TV Mm -hmm. and they're watching me on their TV. My head is giant on, you know, people have huge TVs now. And people are just like like watching me like a reality show, one episode after the next on their TV. What? Super funny. How do you how do you have this information? Just from conversations with clients, or does YouTube tell you what? YouTube tells you what what they're watching on. Oh, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So it's like thirty percent watch on TVs. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a really low percentage that actually watch on mobile. Because people are sitting down, like wanting to learn, mm-hmm. doing research together, husband and wife, family, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's an easier surface to gather around. Yeah, it is. Sure. And it's a, it's a serious endeavor for them. It's not just like casual. Right. Sure, there's lo- there's definitely locals that are watching it casually. And I tend to run into them at Costco. <laughs> one, <laughs> one time I was walking through Costco and this guy was like, you're the Tampa Bay guy. That's so strange. And like he, he's like, love your videos. I'm like, you trying to buy a house? He's like, no, nah, I already live here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Your first brush with celebrity. Yeah. I'm usually recognized by realtors. Okay. But it's been a few like random consumers lately. It's kind of funny. That's so interesting. But, um, so yeah, further upstream, like what are people searching for? And that information is not hard to find. Yeah. Whether you're using some kind of keyword tool, you're using some kind of YouTube YouTube tool mm-hmm. to optimize, like what has a lot of search volume, then where are people not optimizing that content for the search? And then I'll, I'll fill in those holes. Okay. Okay. So n- n- it's just not that complicated. And then once you get into the flow of it, like I've taught people how to like come up with ideas for videos and you, you realize like, oh, like I can take – any video I want to make mm-hmm. and I can make it for that potential consumer Yeah, by like just moving my idea a little further upstream. Mm. And that's the way I like to think of it. Like when you're thinking of moving or buying something, like there's like this stream of how you, you go through the process and you want to get them way far upstream. So a lot of realtors want to think like, okay, I'm going to put like how contracts work mm. or I'm going to put like the buying process that's too far downstream where they've already got a realtor. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get way further upstream when they're like deciding between Texas and Florida. Totally. You have to enter the conversation there and then add some value, earn some trust, show people how you think and they might just like you. Yeah. And then YouTube serves them more and more of your videos. They keep watching your videos. They eventually reach out. Usually when people reach out, they've watched like 30 to 60 videos. Yeah. I feel like people are always exaggerate. The guy last night told me they've watched 800 of my videos. I don't have 800. I, I didn't correct him. Um, 
but like getting further upstream is how you find them before they found somebody else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I think you hear about that a lot in marketing funnels language, yeah. but you're doing that narratively. Uh, and, and it's crazy that you could go far enough upstream that, I mean, it, make, it makes sense. It's just crazy that you could be the deciding factor in the state that somebody moves to. Like I've had somebody that's well, reached out as a client. Now they're good friends. Told me like we didn't consider, we didn't even consider the Tampa Bay area until we heard you talk about it. That's correct. Like they're like you literally influenced us to live here, and we joke about like how I'm an influencer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of funny. Kind of true. I have influenced some people. That's about it. You your influence is powerful in a lot of spheres. I mean, I anecdotal example, I reached out to you and was like, Hey, I need to build a new travel film kit. And then I just yeah. ordered the things you said to order. Like, And I, st- I still could cr- create some kind of blog or YouTube channel where, where I would review gear. I love that. Kind I of think stuff. it would be really useful. And I think because you enjoy it, it would not feel laborious like i think it would be an easy yeah. relatively easy stream of content and it's so and i could still i would still like make it very practical because like yeah. if it's overcomplicated it gets in the way like you just don't need to know totally. the specs of everything you don't need to know all this kind of stuff like yeah does it like really solve the problem and if you're in this category of people it solves the problem and i mean that's still that's how i approach my videos now i mean that's why i ask you rather than i mean there there's a space clearly for like an mkbhd like he's doing a deep dive he's creating a masterpiece like truly an, a piece of art with his technical reviews and yeah. and they're really like he's such a trustworthy voice and for the specialist that needs all that detail those are invaluable yeah. and then you have right. like a maddie hapoya i think that's how you pronounce his last name yeah who's who's doing a like an, a very artistic infused mm-hmm. version of a technical review um right. and most of the time i don't have time for either of those sometimes i enjoy diving deep and i need yeah. the answers or i enjoy the ride that maddie's taking you on most of the time I just need to say, Hey, I'm thinking, I'm trying to decide between these three tools. Tell me which one to buy. Like, have you tried them? What's your philosophy on this? Because you've tested so many things and I trust your taste and your taste is really well developed and robust. And so now I trust your voice maybe too much. Right. And I just need a shortcut. Like I just don't have the time to spend on it. So I think that version of that channel is super valuable. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Anyway, so start that channel too, please. Yeah, start another video thing. I'll, I'll um, co-host that one with you. Yeah. So more and more videos. All I all I'm gonna end up ever doing is just talking to a camera all the time. I mean, that's kind of how the real estate business is now. So we do two videos a week. Yeah. Those are ten minutes per video. Okay. And like yesterday, yeah, yesterday. I shot three videos. I went to one park and I shot at the beach because I was talking about that, the town that that beach is in. Okay. And the beach was like one of the things I was mentioning. So I liked that as the backdrop. And I also like to shoot videos at the beach when it's like snowing other places. Like you're wearing a beanie. Like it's like hot here. Yeah. Um, then 
I went to like one another part of the park and then another part of the park, and I it did it very intentionally. One shot had mangroves behind me because I, I was talking about Clearwater, Florida, and like that would make sense. Yeah. Then the next shot had like um, big live oak trees with Spanish moss on it because that's something that people ask about all the time. Like, oh, we want to live by trees with Spanish moss on them. Right. Like, we have those everywhere. Okay. So like. And, and I knew that that's a, a high-view video. That was like 10 things you need to know before moving. Mm. And it was like high-level stuff about the Tampa area. Yeah. And like that video will get a lot of views, and that background of it will also play into those views because mm. that's the kind of background that people like imagine, like not just beach, but this like kind of kind of mossy oak kind of vibe of Florida. People like that. How do you know that people like that? Because they tell me. Okay. Okay. They call and say like we want to like have be around like really big mature trees. We love the moss hanging off of yeah. all these kind of things. They've I, seen that kind of stuff down here. I think that's and then they're like, oh, if we could like live by that, that would be so nice. I think that's an important thing to just quickly draw out for listeners is that yeah, that I'm grabbing that data all the time. That you're listening really well and that you're yeah, that you're grabbing that data and applying it quickly into the way that you're shaping videos. I think that's really important because yeah. I think it could be easy to get stuck in a mindset where you're only taking advice from other realtors or other creators and yeah, assuming yeah. you know what's best for the client rather than letting the client tell you and paying attention to that data and building it into the videos that you're constructing. Yeah, somebody sent me a message and he had sent me messages previously about renting in the area and I just answered a few questions on Instagram. Yeah. And then he just sent me another message last night and said, hey, what, you should make a video for first-time homebuyers. First of all, I'm not that interested in making that video because first-time homebuyers just usually aren't really ready for the process. Yeah. So they take a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And, But I want to work with them still. So I said, that's awesome. What kind of questions do you have? He sent me a list of like seven questions. So I'm like, I'm just going to make a video, tell the story about him reaching out about me asking him for questions. So that's like the the B story is this interaction with this person on Instagram. Yeah. The A story is like, let me answer all these questions that a lot of you probably have if you've never bought a house. That's incredible. And then the tone but of you that st- whole video it, You learn like, how to like look for those. And yeah. I'm also showing like, hey, I want your questions. Hey, I'm interacting with people. Even if they're just renting, like I'm showing so many things yeah. in that one video yeah. that are really important. I think that's great. And rather than like taking those questions and then polishing them in this presentational no, way, you're... I'm going to like read Justin's questions yeah. and then just like tell a story for each one of them probably. But then that's like, oh my gosh this guy's taking me this seriously that yeah. I can reach out and he's not only going to like answer these like he would on a phone call, he's going to produce it. He's going to make a whole video about yeah. just my questions. That's huge. I mean, and sometimes people, even on my personal Instagram will ask me a question. I'm like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll talk about that in my next story. Yeah. More because I just want to reach more people with it. Some of it is like selfish. I want to get like multi-use out of this answer. Right. Well, how? And then I also am like referring to like Alex was asking me this question, and I wanted to. I thought some of you might have this question yeah. too. So like, let's go into this. I think that's great because how often really is the answer only going to be applicable to that one person? Like, how unique is yeah. the question that it could only be? That's that's a good way to think of it. That you're you can turn all of that into broader, useful group content. Yeah. So. Th- so two videos a week. Yeah. Um, with. Kind of a, 
obviously I make the videos how I want. I don't follow like a perfect script or a perfect equation, mm-hmm. but there's a couple things I do every time. So there's always a hook. The hook is less than 10 seconds typically. So what the video is about, mm-hmm. here we go. I think I say, here we go. Let's go. So and that's, I say, here we go. That's kind of like a trailer. That's what you're called, calling that, like a cold open. Exactly. This is like what this video is going to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's some kind of intro with like music. It's a couple of clips from the area, logo. Mm-hmm. Then I come in and say like, hey, I'm, I'm Sam with, and this is the Living in Tampa channel where we make these videos for you about what it's like to live and move to Tampa. We're also a team of realtors here and we would love to earn your business. Call us extra email anytime. And then sometimes I make that a little longer. I might say like, we'd love to just kind of hop on a Zoom call, like help you process the move, help. Sometimes I yeah. make that longer, sometimes I make that shorter. Really depends also how how broad the video is. Hmm. Like if it's a really high level, like Tampa market update, mm-hmm. I might make a longer call to action because I know more people are going to watch it. Yeah, okay. And, and the people that are going to watch it don't know me that well yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like get them in the system. And letting that not be an evergreen, like boilerplate, kind of thing yeah. humanize it because people will I mean if they're watching a handful of your a handful of your videos sort of shopping uh-huh. they're gonna become really familiar with that and if that feels like inhuman or cookie cutter yeah and I don't I don't avoid that too much like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it feeling the same yeah for, for their sake because most people are gonna realize oh this is a marketing video mm-hmm. but he's also just adding value and like I kind of like this guy so I'm okay with them seeing that. I'm okay with being honest about that. But I like to change it up for myself. Yeah. Like, so I don't feel like I've just got to read the script. Like, ah. so like if it's it's pretty much a script at this point. Yeah. But I, it's just because I kind of know what I like to say, and I probably change it every fifty videos. You know. Okay. Like completely change it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what does that hook, do? Call to action. Mm-hmm. Then I like get right. I might like tell a story at the top of the content, but get into the content pretty quickly. Okay. So like, here's ten things you need to know before moving to Tampa. Let's get right into it. Number one, Tampa is really big, and yeah. I'll just like tell some stories about like corner to corner. It's going to take you about this far. Like I know that's not that big, but the thing is, you're probably moving here because you want to be closer to certain things. You want a different quality of life. So I'll just like get right into it yeah. like that. Yeah. Very kind of story based, very like um, empathetic. I'm like I'm a connecting with the potential client. Yeah. When I'm telling a story, when I'm making a point. Yeah, that makes sense. What does that um, What does that turn into in terms of lead flow? Yeah. So lead flow. I remember whenever I I first came across the idea, these guys that I heard talking about it, Will and Eli. They said they were getting two to three leads a day. Hmm. And. I mean, I, I'm good friends with them. I talked to both of them for a while yesterday. And they, I mean, they still get about that. But you just kind of, you have to, when you're talking on a podcast, you got to make some averages. Sure. So ours is really like two to five leads a day at this point. So we're about two years in. Okay. And it really like surges. Yeah. And some of that I think is just being on an organic platform. Sometimes our videos get a little bit more views. Mm-hmm. And then like they just have a little bit more exposure. Sometimes we have a run of videos that like are b- really broad or really narrow, mm-hmm. depending on like what I felt like talking about. So that influences it, but also like the market influences it so, influences it so much. Like people move during the spring, right. so they call in January, prepping to, for their move in like between May and June. Okay. So like w- we'll have a week where we have ten leads total, 
And then the next Monday, we'll have 10 leads on Monday. Mm, okay. So it sometimes it's like, oh, it's slowing down. And then the next day, it's like, we need four more agents. What are we doing? Yeah. So it, it really goes back and forth. And that's um, and these are organic leads. You've not paid for these. These are all coming through people watching YouTube videos. And then are they... Uh, is there like a Calendly link in the YouTube video or a phone number? Like how are they reaching out to you? Yeah, so there's a phone number and an email. Okay. And so I invite them to call, text, or email. Yeah. They they probably call and email the most. And then you throw that info up in like a lower third of the video? Yeah, and in the description. Okay. And on the website. Yeah. And on my personal website. Some people email me through my personal website, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, so they're going to like, they're just Googling Sam Cottle and they're finding my personal website. Yeah. Cause that's the only place that that email address is. So I just know that like, that's where they're finding yeah. it. Do you have a Google alert set up for yourself? No. Oh, okay, cool. Just checking. Uh, I don't want to know. I don't want the ego of that. <laughs> no, it seems but, really unhealthy. I'm just curious. Yeah, it does. So typically, and they come in like really high intent, which is kind of interesting with real estate leads. People would call it hot, but it's not. It's not hot. It's not like I want to buy right now. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to work with you when I buy. Yeah. Will you be my realtor? I'm looking for a realtor. Can you be my realtor? Like things like that yeah. is what people say. Or they're like, "We're in town next week. Can you help us make an offer?" Mm. Like so, they come in like really connected. Yeah. And committed to me because I've built all this trust with them. Right. They know how I think. Yep. They know how I work because I tell stories of clients. Yeah. They know where I live. They know I have kids. They know I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. All these kind of tokens that I put in videos Yeah, they've de- that really help them connect with they've me. They've developed a parasocial relationship with you to some, they have. To some extent. Sometimes I'll, meet, I'll like talk to someone on the phone and they're like in town soon. I'm like, yeah, let's have lunch and – then I don't I don't even know what they look like. Mm-hmm. I don't like look them up or anything. I don't care. I don't have time for that. I'll just look for the person that recognizes me. Wow. Yeah. I've done that so many times. Oh, that's so interesting. It's so funny because they know what I look like. Right. They know what you look like and sound like and Oh yeah. They know so much of, they know so much about you. Does that ever Sometimes I get on the phone and they're like, You're the you're the one in the videos, right? I'm like, yeah, that's me. They're like, Oh, awesome. Oh my gosh. And sometimes these are like, you know, 60-year-old women. Yeah, wild. I want to I want to jump back into the flow of this, but yeah. but do you ever do you ever get concerned about the scale or the acceleration of growth and getting to a point where you might not be able to provide this level of of accessibility if this becomes, yeah. you know, 10x more successful than it is right now because it seems like your time is already pretty thin mm-hmm. what do you think about that because it seems like a big it seems like a big yeah. value for people to get to do at least some part of this with you yeah and there's ways to scale that and the, the thing is my goal is not to be like the biggest realtor I don't want to do the most business mm. I'm not like thinking of those team leaders or realtors like as my competition I'm trying to do kind of next level things I want to outgrow real estate in terms of my influence. So this is this is practice. Okay. This is practice for the next thing. I, I want to jump. And this is this is fun too. Yeah. I want to 
put a pin in that outgrown real estate because yeah. that's a really interesting question. We should come back to that later. But so so we talked lead flow, two to five yeah. day on average. Tell me about home. And search. then like so like right now we have like active clients. So think about these kind of people that reach out. They're yeah. usually at least six months out. Right. Sometimes like we had somebody reach out last Thursday. They came in town Sunday. They were un- under contract Sunday night. Oh my gosh. I had never talked to them. My buyer's agent did all of it because it was my birthday whenever they scheduled a call. And I'm like, hey, Ben, can you call this person? Yeah. They didn't care at all. They just wanted help. Yeah. They're like, we like you guys. So, and sometimes people are like, How, can, can you connect us with your team? They don't even care about me. Hmm. So that will be kind of the next evolution yeah. of how that, that works. But typically people are six months out at least. Okay. So we have kind of biweekly or monthly calls scheduled with an agent. So usually they have some kind of Zoom call with me. We kind of go through the process. We talk about like what they love, what they hate, just kind of build rapport, comfort any like big questions. Yeah. Tell some stories. Like it's that's mostly just like getting to know each other. And then it's like, hey, this is the process. I want to connect you with one of our agents because He's just going to like be more on top of this search. Like you don't want to be trying to get a hold of me when I'm making videos and stuff like that. Right. And like I, I talk to my agents like every single day, like they'll take great care of you. They actually met me through the YouTube channel. So they, they know what, where where you've been, what it's like. So Mm -hmm. I kind of, that's a pretty easy sell to give most of the time. Mm -hmm. And then connect them over there. They have some kind of like buyer presentation that they do. Yeah. My buyer's agents do. Mm -hmm. They kind of like map out the timeline, set expectations, set like monthly calls, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I'm connecting with them like from a business perspective, like how are you keeping up with your clients? And then also from a practical perspective of like, is anything coming up you need me to help you work through? Mm -hmm. So people are usually working in that roughly six month timeline. Yeah. How many clients are you working with in any given six months? I'm working with four right now. I don't want any more than that. Okay. I, I'm trying to do like 10 to 12 deals just myself. Yeah. Just because you make way more money on those. And then sure. I also get really good stories from those for videos. Yeah, yeah. But mm. most of them get handed off. And I mean, we closed 25 deals last year. But I think we'll close, we'll hit 30 before the end of July this year. Okay. And like, one of my buyer's agents, I have one primary agent and then a couple of referral agents. My main agent has like a really full pipeline and he really sees the value of that at this point Yeah. after being in the industry a little bit longer. So he's like, oh, like if you can escape the need for right now money, mm-hmm. then you can build up future money in real estate really quickly. Yeah. And then those are just a quick phone call. The thing is those people too, they're not leads. Like he calls them to connect. They answer. Yeah. Yeah, they're clients. Literally every time. They're clients. They're clients. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we haven't even met them in person. Mm. We've only talked to them on the phone. They're clients. Yeah. You think you guys will do 50 or 60 deals this year? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Quarter one's always slowest. That's. And we've done 12 so far. Okay. That's wild. Um, yeah, quarter two will be busy busy for sure. Can we talk money? You willing to share yeah. the deeds? Yeah, so let's go into that, that agent. I typically split the commission with that agent. So that's how 
like all the revenue is, is, is real estate commissions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a typical team split would be like 50, 50, or, you know, if they're providing the lead, they might only give the agent 40% of it. On what but percent then, of the sale price for, for those that aren't yeah, familiar? Yeah, two and a half to 3%. Okay. But that all that is in court right now to be changed. Really? To where buyers would have to pay their agent. Sellers wouldn't pay the, the both the agents. Oh, interesting. So that might change the industry pretty dramatically. Okay. But right now, I think it's fine. Give though. me like median home value. Yeah. Per percentage. The median home sale here is like three fifty. Our median is more like five hundred. Okay. So at a two and a half percent commission, that would be you know twelve thousand. Yeah. Right now, I mean, that's typically split like in half. Okay. So but the broker gets a little bit of that, the high-level stuff, and, until that's like capped for the year. But, you know, a typical deal, I'm getting really four to $7,000. If your if, – if it's your if my deal. buyer's agent does it. Oh, if your buyer's agent does it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. And how much are you getting if you do it? That whole thing. Yeah, that I would get that whole 12000 Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, real estate's one of those things where you don't have to do a ton of deals to make a living. Right. You really need like one a month to get by. Mm -hmm. You just have to, I, I would imagine it's kind of a feast or famine uh, initially. It is, yeah. Starting yeah. out until so you fill that pipeline regularly mm -hmm. because you're probably, you know, you do a couple deals in a month, but you're not. Or, or you have a couple clients and, you know, they don't close on something for three or four months and then you don't see that money yeah. for, what, like another month or two? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 30 days. It's yeah. a long time to wait to pay rent, six months. It is, yeah. So you have to, I mean, it is feast or family. And that's just like owning your own business. Right. And that's really what it is. Like you own your own business when you're a realtor. Yeah. Now, whether you act like you do yeah, or yeah. you act like an employee is very different. Right. So you just got to give yourself enough cushions starting out enough of a safety net that you can yeah that while you fill that pipeline initially you, you're surviving and like cut your expenses enough like yeah minimize fixed costs like dramatically yeah and clients don't care like if you drive a nice car yeah it just needs to be clean and nice enough you know what i mean yeah that's interesting so yeah can you break and probably down? my kind of clients are different too because I like set the tone of how we relate and what I'm like and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can you break down so, year by year? Yeah. What so I got my license in June of 2020. And that's when we moved to Florida, mm -hmm. and we had some money saved from flipping a house in Colorado, selling our house, and we. I didn't feel like in a hurry to make money. I was like, I, I more just want to like figure out how I'm going to do this business. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was like, I want to just make enough to where I can start doing real estate investing full time. Yeah. That was my whole idea. And that was it. Then, so we, we didn't, I didn't have, I had one closing. I think it was actually in January of the next year. So, but then my first full calendar year, so 2020 didn't make anything, didn't really care. It was more exploring and it's starting to build. January 2021, started the YouTube channel and made 89,000 that year gross. Yeah. Now, not much of that gets paid in taxes. Not much of that gets paid to the broker. Like most of that's profit. How much of that was YouTube revenue? Um, like 81,000 of it. Well, it, 
traffic through YouTube, but I mean, I mean, like actual, like, are you making ad revenue, ad revenue on YouTube based on video views? Oh, probably twenty five hundred dollars or something for the whole year. Okay, small, yes, yeah. real small yeah. amount. Yeah, it pays our cleaner. <laughs> right, but that's, but that's still incredible. Like you're net positive in a space where a lot of people are are allocating marketing budget or yeah. paying a lot of money for leads, for lists, for right. Zillow leads, yeah. right? Oh yeah, positive on it, yeah, yeah, for sure. And getting higher value leads. Obviously, yeah. I mean, we're saying free, but there's a ton of sweat equity put into that. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of 2021, I brought on my buyer's agent because my son was born mm-hmm. and I wanted to be home way more. So 2022... I worked a lot less. I worked about 32 hours a week, okay. kept making videos, but referred all the deals out. And total revenue from the YouTube channel from real estate sales was a little over 300000 Jeez. And how much of that was split with the buyer's agent? It was probably about 50-50. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you nearly doubled your income and worked less. Yeah. In that second year. Yeah, I, I doubled my taxable income. Really, in 2021, my taxable was 70 something. Yeah. In 2022, my taxable was 140. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And that's one of my goals is to double that every year. Okay. Until I can't. Yeah. And then figure out why I didn't and then do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just more like a, a little benchmark I like to kind of gamify with yeah. for, throughout my year. Are you on track for that this year? I'm a little behind. Okay. But lead flow is definitely on track for that. Okay. I'm also bringing on another agent. We'll get into that. Okay. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how I envisioned it when I started it. So uh, say January 2021, videos are going out. Like I'm excited about it. They're getting views. You know, people are starting to engage in comments and reach out ask about rentals. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is going to work. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to refer these out. If I can refer out, and I would just just did the math. Like if I could refer out six to eight deals, if I could have six to eight closings per month, Mm -hmm. just from referrals, I'm getting 25% of them. Then I can make about 10, 12,000 a month. Yeah. Great. And then I could just start to invest in real estate, which is kind of what I want to do the whole time. Yeah. Okay. That didn't work for a few reasons. Mostly because I liked the people. Yeah. The people liked me and I liked them. And I'm like, I like working with these people. Like these are fun clients. Yeah. Like this changes the whole game. Mm -hmm. Also like these people are, are wanting me. So I can't just like refer them to some random agent. Mm -hmm. Like it needs to feel like a better, like I I need to be able to trust that this agent is going to work kind of like me. And so, like, that just didn't feel right. And and also, like, I'm still, like, trying to figure this out and, like, close these deals and make this money. Because hmm. you, you make more money when you do it yourself. But the, the thing is, the, my, the first deal I closed from YouTube was the third deal I had ever done. Wow. So okay. I was still, like, wanting to learn the lessons of the deals, too. Mm-hmm. And being involved in those, like, helped me have stories for videos learn lessons and get better at getting contracts accepted. It was like a crazy market too. During the pandemic, 
People yeah. were moving to Florida like crazy. A super competitive. Interest rates were really low. Like bidding wars and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a unique market. Yeah. So, so I wanted the lessons of that market. Okay. At one point, I was with a small broker before I joined this bigger brokerage, EXP, that I'm at now. And mm-hmm. I I went to them and said, hey, I think this is going to work. I think like I'm getting good lead flow, like getting good views, subscribers. And they were in a few different markets. And I said, hey, how about you bring me on staff and I'll make these – create these channels for all, all your markets and we'll have organic leads instead of you having to buy all these dumb Zillow leads. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it. Mm. They they thought like, oh yeah, that'd be cool if it worked. But they didn't go for it. And I'm so glad they didn't. So glad. Because uh, you retained ownership and you weren't like retained an employee? ownership, but also like there, there's just a ceiling or when you're when you have other people that can tell can tell you what to do or what not to do. Yeah, sure. You're a lot less agile. Yeah, and then that would just be like me not trusting myself right. to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad that they didn't take it. <laughs> and so kind of what my pitch was was like, hey, pay me a base salary, mm-hmm. low base salary, fifty, sixty thousand, and then give me a, an incentive on all these deals that I bring in. Yeah. You give me ten percent of every deal that comes in from my channel, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have to like even talk to them. Yeah, which wouldn't have worked anyway because they want me. Yeah, that'd be that'd be tough. Yeah. Eventually, I, figured it out. I, I mean, I think eventually it would be possible to build trust in a team, like you're doing that with yeah. with your agent right now. Clearly, that's working for a lot of people. Yeah, but they still have a touch point with you. Like if they don't interact with you ever, then that would feel strange. Yeah. So eventually, bringing on a buyer's agent it was actually this, this guy that reached out through my YouTube channel. They were in town, and I could just tell he would be a good agent. Yeah, He'd be a good fit for like working alongside me. He had like been a competitive runner. Mm-hmm. He was like flipping shoes, and he was like had some sales job at a store. Yeah. I'm like, I think he'd be pretty good at this. And he had never considered it. Huh. It's funny. We talk about it now. Like, he never considered real estate until I brought it up to him. And I'm like, well, you, you could just do it this way. And like, he's like, oh, yeah, I could. That's cool. <laughs> he called me a few weeks later. He's like, okay, I'm getting my license. We're going to move down. They moved down here. And I was like, okay, you got to find your own leads at first. Get a couple of deals under contract. Mm-hmm. Here's these. Here's where you can find some leads. Sign up for these programs. And then you can work with some of mine. So he got a couple of deals, deals under contract, little deals or mobile homes. Like sure. I didn't really care. Yeah. I just needed him to like not fumble too much with mine. Mm-hmm. And then the first deal I handed off to him was the biggest deal I had done so far. And so it was just showed me immediately like, oh, like scaling works yeah. and I can figure it out. Yeah. And there's a way to share or replicate this culture of care, of client care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And so that's where I, I still feel good handing people off to him mm-hmm. because I'm like, I know he cares the way I care. Yeah, He's not super hungry for the commission right now. Mm-hmm. He's going to take great care of you. Like he's going to listen. He's He wants to understand what you want and help you find it. Mm. That's great. He's optimizing for you. He's not optimizing for him. Yeah. That's, that's a really important thing for me. 
And what I learned was like, okay, this really, this works well if I can kind of groom this person. Mm-hmm. And I've had to kind of make some mistakes to learn that too. Cause I've tried to refer out to some other agents. I kind of went down the road of referring a lot of deals out to a team mm-hmm. because they have a lot of capacity and they want the deals, but they're influenced by somebody else. Yeah. They're not influenced by me. Yeah. Yeah. You make significantly different decisions i think when when you're holding that relationship that loosely when you don't need something from the client um yeah immediately like obviously mm-hmm. you you want to sell them something you want to get them into something and the sooner the better so that you can move on to helping the next person but if there isn't that pressure you lose all of the all of the stuff that reads as like gross to us in a sales environment like when you don't feel like the when when you're not made to feel like a commodity and you're made Mm -hmm. to feel like a human and that you could walk away and it wouldn't harm anything like the the way that you talk to the way that i've heard you talk to some clients like i might i might not be the right fit but here's this person or like i'm gonna help you I'm going to help you work with whoever you need to work with. Yeah. It just happens to be like you can solve most of their problems. So we right. don't have to. And that's the job yeah. of a realtor, like solve the problem, you know, find them the house for the budget yeah. and make in this timeline. If you can solve the problem, you deserve the money. If you can't solve the problem, you don't deserve the money. Yeah. And, and, and not overdoing it in a like relational way. I'm so curious, like, because I don't need my realtor to be my friend. I just need them to be trustworthy and I need them to be yeah. easy to communicate with. And yeah. So enough. that's something that like uh, those values are really documented now. Yeah. Kind of how we interact with clients mm. and me, me being able to coach my agent in the beginning made a big difference with that. Yeah. Even to just notice like, Hey, Hey, let's not, let's not, optimize for commissions. Mm-hmm. Like I know you need to pay these bills, but it's only going to build if we optimize for clients. You know, if we optimize for what they're interested in, what they're looking for, if we value them, if we care for them. Yeah. And that's the only way it's going to going to scale and it's going to like feel like a brand. Yeah. So, that's working really well with one buyer's agent now, right? Yeah. Why not yeah. build a team based on your experience with that buyer's agent. Yeah. That, and that's what a lot of people say, like, oh, you got to build a team because you're like leaving money on the table. You're not getting a bigger cut of their personal deals, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't take anything from, if they find a, a client, they get a referral, like they do, they host an open house for somebody else and they get some buyers. Mm-hmm. Like I don't deserve any of that. And I don't want them to feel like I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to me to operate in that kind of like generosity with people. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like seeing, thinking like I deserve something. Yeah. It, that feels really clean to totally. me. Totally. Well, and it would be breaking yeah. your like philosophical system of unemployable. If, exactly. if you were saying yeah. that here and then you had this weird, you had this weird like classical employer employee framework that you were yeah. subjugating somebody else to, that'd be inconsistent. Know, I can't do that. So yeah, everybody's like, you got to build a team, just like build the living in Tampa team, build the Sam Cottle team. That's what everybody does. But then 
you still have your then you're hosting the team meeting and you're dealing with people's drama mm-hmm. and you're always just trying to get you're you're providing offices or signs or lock boxes or business cards. And, yeah. Then you're taking a big cut if you're providing leads and you're taking a cut on everything else too. Mm. So a lot of teams, especially for newer agents, they'll take they'll give the agent thirty percent of the commission if it's a team lead. And then they'll take 50% of the commission, even if it's their, their own deal, even if it's their mom that they did a deal for. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of intense. So that just didn't feel like the kind of business I wanted to run. Yeah. Mostly, I disagree with kind of the structure, and I want to change some of the status quo of the industry. And it's so easy to just be critical of the status quo in an industry like this. Sure. And just like gripe about it. But to actually be willing to be the difference and be be the loud, different one yeah. that's like, hey, we can do all of this differently is a big thing to take on. Yeah. And it's something I've kind of let myself take on. That's great. Yeah. Is there anybody else that's – well, talk to me maybe about how you're thinking of that framework now. Because yeah. you obviously need to scale. How are you going to scale? What's that growth look like practically if you don't yeah. want to build a classic – team structure yeah i'm definitely going to add some more agents okay i had an agent reach out to me recently and a lot of my instagram content is to attract agents Mm -hmm. so both to like build downline stuff with the broker i'll get into that Mm -hmm. but then to like find the potential people that could work some of my deals too Mm -hmm. so this girl caitlin reached out to me sent a really thoughtful message like hey i heard was referred to your youtube channel by this guy in orlando i'm moving to tampa and wondered, you know, if I could, if, if we could connect sometime, I'm kind of an, a newer agent. I've done a few deals, but looking for like some coaching mentorship and, and just curious if we could partner in any way, which is kind of funny to me that now people are reaching out to me as a mentor. It's awesome. Makes sense. Yeah. So I, I talked to my coach about it like right away. I'm like, what, what do you think the, the play is on this? And how much should I talk about doing deals together as a potential? We decided that I, I would kind of talk about that right off the bat. Like there, this is a potential, like I'm always looking for like great agents to, to add to my thing yeah. and help work with my clients. And I'm not like greedy. I don't want like another part. Not that those team leaders are greedy. That's not really what I'm saying, but I'm more just like, I don't want another cut of your business that you build on the side. Like I'd rather you work with my leads, take great care of them and then use that to build your own business. Yeah. Because that's what I want for people is like you take control. If you want to get into this industry, like you need to realize you're a business owner. You need to build your own business and you can, and I can help you do that. And so that's really my, my pitch for those people. So I was like, hey, look, I want to connect you with my buyer's agent just so you know that I'm not like completely full of it. Hmm. So she talked to, to Ben for a while and Ben told me that she was like, this just seems like too good to be true. <laughs> And he was like, no, it's not. It's true. Like this is, this is the kind of the, the sales I've done my first year in real estate. Yeah. This is what Sam's like. This is what his family's like. Like having somebody be able to kind of like speak for you a little bit in that like helps a lot, I think. Yeah. So she's like, she's really into it. She's actually moving here this weekend. And then like Monday, I'm going to like take her to an appointment with me. That's great. Yeah. She's hungry and like excited to go. Yeah. Man. I think that's that framework makes a lot of sense to me. Like you, 
retain autonomy, which means you retain responsibility, which means there's more energy and hunger and ownership still in that system. None of that gets handed off to an employer and, and growth is, you know, on your shoulders and, and, and the compensation makes mm. sense to me. Like they're getting a really rich deal flow and you're getting a ton of extra capacity. Yeah. And I'm here to like help answer questions. Like I function a lot like a team leader. Yeah. I just don't like, I want to build loyalty Mm -hmm. through my actions and my words, not through some like contract. Yeah. I think that's great. The thing is Ben is super loyal to me. Yeah. Caitlin will be too. Mm -hmm. They'll love, she'll love working with my clients. She'll love the way I do things. Like, I mean, I'll still like give her like an email address and like provide her any branding she wants. She can like be part of living in Tampa. Yeah. But she doesn't have to be. She could also just be Caitlin in Tampa. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And like, so like holding that loosely and actually like, leading that mm-hmm. like being the difference i think people really love yeah now structurally and i'm not i'm as familiar with the real estate industry as yeah. as you've made me familiar structurally though there is still some benefit in well like you're part of a is it a brokerage yeah. that's the structure of it okay yeah. So in the pyramid scheming world of brokerages, you still have yeah. people that you bring in below you, right? And so you still, no matter what, under the auspices of that brokerage, make some commission on their sales? Yeah, good question. It's not commission. They call it revenue share. Okay. So some brokerages have revenue share. Some have profit share. Keller Williams got pretty popular for profit share. Okay. So pretty much like the, the agents that you bring in below you, which this is what really makes it sound schemey, mm-hmm. like the seven seven levels below you. Uh-huh. That, the word scheme is a good word. It's not an inherently bad word. Yeah. But, it, <laughs> yeah, scheme, plot. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. So the way that the model works at EXP is that seven levels below me, when they close deals, for the first... When they close a deal, 20% of that commission goes to the broker. Okay. Until that bucket is full for the year. That bucket fills up at $16,000. Okay. Half of that, so 8,000 of that gets divided among the seven people above them. Huh. So, like for Ben's deals, I get half of the commission. That's our deal, right? Yeah. But also what he pays into the broker, I make about 3,000 a year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So fairly small potatoes, but if you scaled, especially as a mentor figure, like people were yeah. getting a lot of benefit from from your leadership or whatever, yeah. And you had a lot of people under you that could scale, yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, so that's another kind of pillar of the business I'm working on scaling now. So we're going to start hosting monthly events, yeah. And I have a lender that'll sponsor those, and they're like a pretty quiet sponsor mm-hmm. because they want to attract realtors to work with them, and I want to attract realtors to work with me. So yeah. it's like our goals align really easily. Totally. And I'm like, hey, you guys get out of the way because I don't want a lender like messing this up. Uh-huh. The pitch is Sam's going to teach you how he built his business through YouTube. Yeah. 
and I'll work with my coach to like really dial in that presentation. And then that'll be like a, you know, a 40 minute presentation. It's like Q and a after one of my agents is over here, go talk to him too. Like he knows what it's like to work with these kind of clients. Mm -hmm. That's my lender. He's like the Michael Jordan of lending. Like I promise you, like he is the best. Yeah. And like, I'll be up here, like come ask me questions too. That's a smart move on that lender's part. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds mutually really beneficial, but what a wagon to like, or what a, whatever metaphor to hit your wagon to, you know? Yeah. That's great. I'll be a horse. Okay. Or mule. <laughs> so I rode a lot of mules as a kid. What? Seriously? Yeah. What century did you grow up in in Oklahoma? I was born in 1990, but a lot of people have mules in Oklahoma. For what? They're just good workhorses. Yeah. I saw mules around a lot in Montana, but I never knew what people did with them other than pack animals. Because most of them that I saw, they were strictly pack animals for like uh, backcountry hunting expeditions. Yeah. Like you go into the Bob Marshall wilderness for two weeks with a string of pack mules. That's funny. I just no, made fun of you for sounding like an old prospector and then I stepped in it myself. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. So you're uh, adding more agents. Yeah. What else? I wanted is to nice? say something more about the events. So oh. the the events, they're they're one thing, but they're everything at the same time. Because you go present, you capture content, take photos, take video of the presentation yeah. of the event. Huh. You use that to talk about what you're building. Yeah. You use that to promote the next event. Mm -hmm. You use that to attract more agents. It 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 creates this environment where you get to capture way more content too. Yeah where you get to like dial in your, your pitch. You get to like mm. hear, you get to hear from people. You get to even like test an idea. Like one of my coaches was telling me this yesterday. He's like, throw out the idea. Like, Hey, if I did, I know this was fast, but what if I did a webinar next week mm -hmm. and I break down every system that I use to create these videos, who would attend that? Like just ask people to raise their hands. Like then like get their emails, invite them to that yeah. and make that just an evergreen webinar. That's an hour and a half long. It's not even live. It's huge. And then it just like makes people connect with you over and over again as that value. And like, like you're literally spending half a day mm -hmm. to write and produce that webinar. It's like, yeah, and it's this thing. we talked about that recently because as you, as you start to do more of this teaching content for yeah. prospective agents that you're, I mean, you're building it because you want to bring in prospective agents, but that could conceivably become another revenue stream like this masterclass style content. Um, yeah. And I've always been kind of hesitant to like create a course, Yeah, but I probably should. You probably should and, and just build it now and then refine it as you have better understanding, better information. Like, and, yeah. and the people that take a bet or, you know, like take a gamble on that early on, just keep giving the new information to them. And selling it to yeah. the people, the new people coming in. I think, I think you could probably. But do then that there's now. other opportunities. Like a big team leader in North Carolina reached out to me yesterday, and her team is nationwide, big team. Yeah. And she's like, "Hey, will you come teach at one of our team huddles?" Mm. It's like a big Zoom call they do every week. Yeah. And I, I'm not teaching at that till October. Wow. There, all those agents are already get EXP, so I can't add any of them to my downline. Mm. But I could sell them a course. You could sell them a course and then obviously that content is still really valuable for you. And if they're covering your yeah. costs, you know, to 
come out and teach that. And not no, it's just a Zoom call. Oh, it's a Zoom call. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should build the course. I think you should probably build a newsletter as well and start developing mm. a, like a rich email so list. Content. Um, well, I heard Gary Vee talking about writing content through AI. Mm. I need to start playing with those tools more. There's some really interesting ones. I've been playing with one yeah. called Lex that's like a replacement for Word, essentially. Yeah. It's great. It's really great. Um, yeah. Anyway, have you thought about newsletter? Hmm. Yeah, I love newsletters. Yeah, me too. I think they're really powerful communication tools. Part of the problem is what we'll get to here at the end. Like I, I want to talk about things that are ahead of me. I don't want to talk about things that are behind me. But the things that are behind me that I've quote unquote mastered, you know, I, uh-huh. I don't love that. But the things that I feel like really solid in are the things I need to talk about. But I'm tired of talking about them. Yeah. You know? I I agree, though. I think the things that are immediately behind you, we've talked about this a lot, but, like, the things that you're still feeling the sting of effort or or a little bit of the pain of what you just walked yeah. through, that's the most valuable information. And, and it's the right time to communicate that information so that you're not giving people yeah. an unrealistic view of the difficulty while you're offering them the window into success. You know, yeah. I think that's a huge part of what makes you a trustworthy voice is you're saying like, you, you're not overdoing the win of the narrative. You're saying like, Hey, here's the success. It's worth it. And it cost this, this, and this, and it took these yeah. disciplines and this much effort. So I, yeah, that's true. I have one agent in my downline that I've been talking to a lot. He's like 30 videos into his YouTube channel Yeah, and just not seeing a lot of leads yet. And a part of me, like every time I talk to him about it, I'm like, oh, I missed that part. Yeah. Of just like, you know, the, the potential's there and you're mm-hmm. just not seeing it yet. And you're just having to like, hold on. Yeah. I'm like a masochist in that way. Did you enjoy it that much when you were in it? I did because I, I, I saw other people that were like succeeding with it. Mm. And you had enough. And it just felt like so challenging. Yeah. And I felt like, Every day I'm just like trying to figure this out and just like looking for the metrics of like, is this right or is that right? Or Yeah. It's interesting. I definitely enjoyed it. I mean, it was hard. Yeah. But I, I actually do enjoy hard things. Yeah. One of those people. Tell me. But yeah, eventually like building all of this and one of my coaches, let's talk about my coaches a lot. I like coaches. You have more than um, one. He, we're, we were talking about, we talk a lot about outgrowing real estate. Okay. And for your the downline, even just being like practice, it's like the practice of influence. Yeah. Like how do I connect with these people? How do I add value? How do I influence broad? And then like I, identify the ones that have like incredible potential and momentum and like really pour into those, like all, all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But one guy we often use as an example is Ryan Pineda. Okay. He has a big podcast. Um, he's started his YouTube channel and everything just as a flipper. He was flipping real estate at the time, but his story was that he had been flipping couches. Yeah. And he was like buying couches on Craigslist, cleaning them, mm-hmm. reselling them, sometimes not even cleaning them. And he just like got this dialed in. He was making like 10 grand a month doing it and then 20 grand a month doing it and 
then started just throwing that money into houses. Yeah. So he talked about all that kind of stuff for years before he started talking about business in a broader sense or content or talking to people about just like broader things that he wants to talk about. And so I'm trying to really like learn from that and like stay in my lane in a sense, like talk about the things that I'm, that I can really add value on Mm -hmm. so I can get to a point to where I can talk, talk about the the things I really want to talk about. Yeah. Which is like, well, the thing that I really want to talk about is like the intersection of business and philosophy, hmm. like the mindset between like about success and habits and like happiness and lifestyle, all those kind of things, yeah. even just like the cycles of like building and reflecting. I love all that, hmm. but I, I need more data. I need more of a stack of proof mm-hmm. that I, that people should listen to me talk about that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. How do you, hmm. Hmm. I have more questions. They're just not very Mm. well developed. They don't have to be according to the notes that I prepared. (laughs) That's already influencing the way that you're talking about what you're doing. Yeah. Can you just reveal more of the background infrastructure that's leading you to these choices and philosophies and opinions in real time or Hmm. are you are you trying to like understand it enough yourself that you feel confident in saying like i think this is a good idea or this is the yeah not much of it is confidence like i can talk about it pretty confidently yeah but then i think people will just look at it and be like this guy's just copying alex hormozy huh like anybody can do that now, right? Sure. But do you have like the stack of proof that like shows that you can be in that conversation? Yeah. And I, I just kind of want that for myself and for others. What is the proof? Consistency, money, like what is the proof? Yeah, I think it's kind of all those things. Like even just like you're, you're gonna hate this. Uh-huh. Even just like grind, like evidence that I like uh-huh. endured, right? Yeah, I, I do hate that. I <laughs> So many people like don't have evidence that they've like continued. Yeah. No, most people just quit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine. But I, I if I'm telling somebody don't quit, I want to show that I haven't quit. Yeah, I, I guess I would just call that like consistency rather than grind. Grind in my understanding of it is like the connotation is that You've sacrificed everything for this achievement. And that's not what you're doing. Like you're balancing your life and your work well. I sacrifice a lot of things though. For sure. For sure. But but you're not like you, you haven't sacrificed your family on the altar of business success. Like No, I've sacrificed other things instead, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've sacrificed yeah. acceleration and growth in your business. Yeah. for time for your family. I guess grind to me is like a little too like hustle bro culture. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a word. Like I, know, I just like that you hate it. <laughs> Maybe you just need to grind a little bit more. It's probably true. I probably just feel <laughs> convicted. So I have this idea. 
I love these like merch brands that I come across on Instagram. Yeah. There's this one called Seek Discomfort. Okay. It talks about like comfort is a slow death. Uh-huh. I love those kind of like edgy things. I don't actually want to wear stuff like that because mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to people about what I'm wearing. <laughs> but I still just like love it. That kind of edgy stuff. It's kind of like like streetwear culture that I like. Yeah. But then also that kind of like embracing hard things because of the value you get from them. Yeah, you like the language and the merch around stoicism. Yeah, there's one I've been I like almost bought some stuff. I don't I don't know what the brand is called, but the there's one shirt they have that says "Destroy what destroys you." Mm. I love it. I was listening to a Rage Against the Machine song the other day, driving to go on a nap. I don't know if I've ever listened to a oh, Rage song. They're great. Treat yourself to something nice. I'm that's one thing I've sacrificed is music. <laughs> I don't ever listen to music. Interesting. I, mean, I was at the gym the other day for an hour and a half and no one else was there. It was so nice. Yeah. And I didn't have any music on. I I don't listen to Mostly music. Mostly during my breaks, I wanted to talk to the camera on my phone. And I'm like, how am I so drawn to this? How do I have so much I want to talk about right addicted. now? Gosh. I usually don't. And then yesterday, more people were there and they were talking about what cups they have at home. Like, oh yeah, I don't drink water out of a cup anymore, just out of bottles. And I'm like... Why are, are is anybody ever having this conversation? I don't understand. This is a gym conversation you overheard? Yes. <laughs> I was like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. I was just like, I can't wait to get out of here. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't usually. Hopefully David listens to this and he hears that. David? Yeah. He was He was probably annoyed by the conversation, too. Oh, amazing. Yeah. This you... He owns the gym. Got it. Okay. Um, I don't usually listen to music when I run. I'll listen to a podcast or just to yeah. nature and my breathing. Your breath. Yeah, which is yeah. important. And music yeah. music messes with my cadence so much. Um, but I was listening to a Rage song the other day driving to go do the incline in Manitou. It's like this nasty set of vertical steps. It's like a yeah. vertical mile. I think it's like 2,900 steps. It's gross. Anyway. It's awesome. Yeah. Adding some vert into training. But I was listening to this Rage song called Know Your Enemy. Which is kind of in line with um, your ascetic, uh, yeah, merch line. You should. What you should do is take all this excitement and energy around stoic merch and just make your own merch line. Because then, when you wear it, yeah. it's easy to talk about what it represents. Because it's going to be yeah. something you're excited to talk about anyway. I have this kind of like edgy poker, poker playing skeleton thing in my mind okay and it's like a, a, a all in is kind of the, the vibe i want oh. and it's like all the chips going in or it's like the the cards going in like whatever it is yeah but i have this kind of idea i'm so bad at communicating to designers though i could see that that uh, poker playing skeleton all in is a great yeah. brand and i feel like you should probably grab whatever domains you need before you release this episode oh there's already like all in podcast there's all kinds of stuff like that 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 aesthetic though is great. I have a designer that does such good. Like, uh, I'll send you some of his stuff. It could be kind of like, um, like old school tattoo design yes. too. No, exactly. No, I have the guy. Yeah. yeah, I'll send him to you. I think I want Isaac to, Isaac to do it. Just give him these references, and then Isaac. Can, okay, can. I'm gonna have Isaac on the podcast soon. Awesome. You gonna talk yeah, about his talk about. career shift? 
Yeah, to talk about him being trying to be unemployable. Yeah. Even just being unemployable by taking control, right? Yeah, yeah. It it, it doesn't yeah. mean being That's it. Yeah. It doesn't mean unemployed. being unemployed. Unemployed. It means It doesn't even mean being a business owner. Yeah. 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 It's a philosophy. You're yeah. you're already wading I'm into this ph- philosoph- philosophical <laughs> space. You're uncertain about. Yeah. P- Pete's Pirate Life is another brand that I really like. Peter McKinnon has a big YouTube channel. He has yeah. five, six million subscribers. And he has this brand on the side that they sell like dropped merch yeah. where they do just like timed drops. I'm looking I, around for some of it. I have well, some around here. I, oh, just I have this, bought, this coin. Oh, interesting. I have this sink or swim coin. I'm trying to get my camera to focus on it. It doesn't want to because my face is there. Like a swim on one side and then sink on another. Yeah. And I just like. It's like expensive and novelty, but yeah, I don't know something about me. Just like love some of this stuff, and obviously other people do too. There's something about us that loves like totemic objects that are that we can go yeah. back to that reminds us of a core value or idea. It, mm-hmm. I think, in the past, I've been a little bit annoyed by it because my, really, my experience with it was people with like pledge coins which is a new yeah. seemed like a silly idea but i think if it this represents me of AA. yeah but if it represents something really significant that you've yeah. labored for keep it around that's incredible oh peter made a video you'll have to watch one of his most recent videos it's like a three minute kind of short story about this person that was in the secret service that sent peter their coin like an because AA they coin feel like or a secret service coin Secret service coin. They make coins. Okay. Yeah, they all carry them. And just to like, he sent it to Peter because he was like super depressed, like considering suicide and Mm. like watching Peter's videos, like being inspired by Peter's creativity and just like approach to life, like brought him out of that. Wow. And so the voiceover is Peter just like reading this thoughtful letter. Yeah. And just kind of like saying like, this is why you do it. Yeah. So cool. That is why. That's a that's a good enough answer or a good enough reason to do anything. anything. Yeah. Man. I remember. So eventually outgrowing real estate and making an impact, like helping other people like bet on themselves. Yeah. By doing it myself. And so maybe maybe that's the, the proof that I need so that, hey, I've been doing this. Like it's worth it. Yeah. It's hard, but it's worth it. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's great. The people that know me know that I've always bet on myself. <laughs> yeah, consistently. Now, and you've also always consistently been a, an encouraging voice to like to anybody else that wants to and doesn't have the tools or like needs yeah. that needs an external consistency to help them develop their own internal consistency. That's been our friendship in a lot of ways. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Patrick, for helping me kind of break this stuff down. Yeah, you got it. Hope, hopefully it will be valuable to some people. Yeah. I'm surprised people listen to the podcast. It's fun. Yeah, it's exciting. Kevin, I know you're listening. <laughs> Love you, buddy. 